Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a compulsive overeater, 100-pounder. I'll get the numbers out of the way. I have been abstinent for 8.75 years. I'm reading that from my little app on my phone, which translates to 105 months, 3,199 days, or 76,769 hours. And you know what? That's the most important one, because sometimes it's an hour at a time. Sometimes it's a minute at a time. And, you know, he who has the most abstinence is the one who woke up earliest this morning. I get it. I hit in at 5.45, so I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. Uh, anyway, I have some pictures here, uh, which I will pass around. Uh, I changed these up because I, uh, I know a lot of you folks who are sitting in the room, so I, these are different pictures, but the paper picture of me at my high weight in the black vest that I thought was slimming, you can be the judge of that, will, uh, is still here. So I'm going to pass those around. And for those of you in podcast land, what you would see if you had the pictures in your hand is a guy who was extremely overweight, had a smile on his face, and a lot of pain in his eyes. Uh, that is probably the best way to describe it. From also all, my, all different ages. Um, I was a compulsive reader before I knew what food was. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking... Oh, by the way, before I start... I, I'm a little nervous only because the pitch I gave in the shower this afternoon is not very good. Now, I'm sure the pitch I give on the way home in the car will be excellent, but none of you will be there to hear it, so uh, we'll do the best we can. Anyway, I was a compulsive eater before I knew what food was. Uh, you know, is it genetic was where I was. And I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know that it really makes a difference, because what makes a difference is I have a disease. Uh, but how I got the disease doesn't matter. But I was fat when I was a kid. Um, And uh, there's a certain special hell that a fat child goes through in our society. And I'm old enough to be pre-political correctness. Uh, And so every, you know, there was no safe place. I don't want to go through all the horror of it, but there was no safe place. My mother was ashamed of me because she was a compulsive eater. And she had a compulsive eating child. And there, uh, you know, and and I understand how that might be difficult. Um, So my, my, my mother was ashamed of me. My father didn't really care. My brother made fun of me because that's what brothers do. But, uh, you know, everyone, the, ki- the other kids, the other parents, teachers, you know, teachers. Yeah, teachers. The p- people are supposed to be teaching me. One guy, uh, my seventh grade teacher, allowed any kid in class to come and behind me and pinch my cheeks because I had fat cheeks. He called it a cheek attack. He thought it was hysterical. Uh, I did not share that opinion. Um, so, you know, no safe place. And I don't want to go through all of the, you know, the, 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 the stuff. Uh, I was uh, blessed that I had an outgoing personality, or perhaps I developed an outgoing personality so I could defend myself against these people. Uh, and uh, I was not horrible in sports, despite my weight. And the words, despite my weight, will come up a lot, uh, or did used to come up a lot for me. Um, anyway, so went through grade school fat, went through uh, junior high fat, and then in the summer, uh, between uh, 9th and 10th grades, I lost about 75 pounds on my first successful diet. 
uh, and then gained it all back. Uh, and then I was, so I sat through the rest of high school and then through all of college and then lost 100 pounds after college. And I kept that up for five whole years, white-knuckling it and absolutely stark raving mad. And I gained it back. And then I found Overeaters Anonymous in 1987. Now, I said I was absent 8.75 years, so that doesn't add up, right? Did it for a year. Had a great time. You guys are a lot of fun. Uh, diet with group support. Graduated. Gained it all back. And more. Each time. Uh, so that is my history. I mean, I've had a few brief instances of recovery. I did the liquid protein thing until it drove me crazy, and then I stopped. And gained it back. I mean, you know, we, we could do responsive reading. I could tell you what I did, and we could all say it at the same time, and you gained it back, because that was just the story. I mean, you know, five, six, seven times, and I gained it back. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was cunning, baffling, and powerful, because, you know, I would go to big man stores at 15 and 16 to buy clothes, uh, and the big man stores were not nearly as hip and cool as the places in Beverly Hills that you, we can go to now, uh, or you can go to. I'm going to avoid them if possible. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, so it was mom jeans and banded bottom shirts and checked flannel shirts. Those were the three things you could buy there. And, of course, the other kids weren't wearing those things, and I didn't want to look different. So, because you couldn't notice that I was, you know, 280 pounds as a 16-year-old. I didn't want to look different, though. <laughs> so, I had to wear the right clothes. Anyway, when I couldn't get the right clothes, I would be very upset and angry. And I'd walk across the street to the pizzeria. I grew up in New York. There's a pizzeria on every corner. I would walk across the street to the pizzeria, and I would have two slices of pizza because I was too fat to get cool clothes. If you want another definition of cunning, baffling, and powerful, that might be a start. Yeah, because... You know, I'm hurting myself with food because I'm upset because I've hurt myself with food. And that's the thing we have in common here. You know, I've heard it say that your absence will kill me and my absence will kill you because we all have slightly different diseases. But the one thing, the reason that we are all here tonight or that you're listening to this podcast is that you hurt yourself with food. And I did for years. I hurt myself with food. And I didn't know how to stop. And I didn't, I couldn't stop because... I had an allergy and an obsession. I'm an obsessive compulsive person, right? I'm a little bit crazy. And so I, my mind is, you know, mile a minute. You know, the, we talk about there's a minute of meditation at the end of uh, most of the meetings out here. I can't think, uh, my mind can't be still for a minute. No, I, I can't keep it still for that minute. It's not theory. I can't do it. So, you know, I have this mind that just goes and goes and goes, and it tells me that food is the answer to all my problems doesn't tell me what food is doing to me, but it does tell me what food is doing for me. So now I can't stop. I can't stop to, but start. Because my mind keeps pushing me. You have to have the food, the food, the food, the food. The food's the answer. The food's the answer. And so then I start to eat the food. And, and a lot of foods, most particularly flour, sugar, and its derivatives, uh, will make me want to eat more. If I have a candy bar, I want another and another. Before I'm done with the first one, I'm unwrapping the second. Yeah, and I'm, I, was, I was a low-bottom compulsive eater, by the way. It had to be cheap and in plastic. You know, I mean, you know, I know people say, oh, I went to these very fancy places, and I had these very fancy desserts. And I'm like, no, no, you know, hostess cakes in plastic. You know, if, if I get it at 7-Eleven, I'm in. But don't bring me to a grocery store. That stuff's too fancy. Because it was a fix. It wasn't, it wasn't I wasn't doing it for taste. I was doing it to get a fix. 
to calm myself and then to whatever else to do to myself. So it went on like that for years and years and years. In college, I, uh, I, I, I don't want to get graphic, but uh, certainly post Harvey Weinstein, but I will just say that I went to college in the sexual revolution and I was revolting. You know, I, you know, I was a big fat guy, angry at the world. Nobody wanted anything to do. I mean, my I had lots of friends. I, I, I had good weed. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's about it. You know, I mean, and, and by the way, for compulsive eaters, weed is a performance enhancing drug. I <laughs> <laughs> and I was the Lance Armstrong of weed and food, man. Let me tell you. Anyway, uh, so uh, so when I couldn't get a date on Saturday night, I would go to the store, and there was a place that had hand-packed fancy ice cream, and I would go to there and get two quart, two pints, not two quarts, God forbid. I don't you think I'm a pig, just two pints, which was enough. Uh, and and that's, what I, that's what I do on Saturday nights, is eat my two points of ice cream. Yeah, a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, so uh, when I found the program, uh, I was bankrupt in, in most every way. I, uh, I had been in a... Uh, so I, I, I came in, I had died with groups before I left, and then I was right back to it. And that's the weird thing about this disease, is that you think that knowing what I knew and having practiced it at least you know, peripherally for a year, would have educated me somewhat. But, no, once I was off to the races, I was off to the races, and all this stuff be damned. It didn't matter what you guys said. I came back to a, a, uh, an OA meeting twice. The first time a woman said she prayed for a parking space. I didn't think that was a proper use of, you know, your relationship with God. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I left for a few years because that was enough to scare me away. And then I came back and realized there was a lot of work and I didn't want to do it. And so I left and didn't come back. And then I went, got in a bad business deal, had a lot of bad stuff going on in my life. Uh, and uh, I called myself a heart attack waiting to happen because I was, you know, getting older. I was well over 300 pounds. 335 is my high weight. Uh, I'm 218, you know, as, and on April 1st. So whatever that is, 115 or something like that, 117 uh, pounds. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, close to 335 and just, you know, bang, I just, you know, unemployed and broke and angry and, you know, uh, I was going to get a gastric bypass. Uh, and I'm not, if you got a gastric bypass, great. If you're thinking about it, you know, whatever decision you make is beautiful. I was scared as could be when they showed me the half a fistful of food you could eat twice a day at your meals. And when I left, the guy said, the surgeon, very nice guy, you know, you have to go through informational stuff, and the third or fourth time I'm seeing the guy, he said, you'll be great, I'll just, you just see the psychiatrist, he'll tell me you're fine, and then we'll go do the surgery. And when I left, somehow, God spoke to me and said, you're not fine, don't go to a rubber stamp shrink, go find out if you're okay. So I called the guy I knew from the first time I was in program, and I said, I want to see you professionally, he said, no. I said, no. He said, no, but let's have coffee. And he Eskimoed me back in here saying, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, the surgeon will be there in a couple months. He's not going to say no to your thousands of dollars for cutting, for his words, uh, 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 I forget his words. Anyway, uh, you know, for destroying my body and, and, and giving me a stomach that's the size of a peach. You know, which is okay, but I didn't want to do that. So I came in and I said, I'm actually going to do this. 
So I had to take the first step. Admit I'm powerless over food. What is admit? Admit means that I come to the truth with reluctance. Now, I want to see you by a show of hands. How many people skipped in here their first time? <laughs> hey, I'm going away. Let's go. Because right, cool. uh, I didn't. I don't know that anyone who did. If you did, please tell me later. and I'll amend this speech next time. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who did. And you know, so I had to admit that. And then I had to come to terms with my allergy and my obsession. That's really, the, really to me, that's almost the willingness to, to walk in the door. And the understanding of the allergy of the obsession is discussed in the doctor's opinion of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, is sort of step zero. Then I had to become, you know, I had to make this admission and then I had to come to terms with a higher power, which I didn't really want to because I was a hedge your bed agnostic Jew from New York. Uh, you know, uh, and hedge your bed because I, I didn't really see God in my life, but I didn't want to say he didn't exist and just in case at the end of the road, he was waiting for me. Didn't want to know about that. Uh, but then I went to the ocean to contemplate this, and people really think I'm making this up, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, I went to, you know, we're only a couple miles from the beach, and uh, I went to the ocean to contemplate it, and the waves were coming close, and I was 300 and something pounds and didn't want to move. So I asked the waves to stop. Did not stop. I asked the sun, to, the earth to stop turning because it was getting cold and dark, and it did not. And I realized at that moment, okay, I can't control this. So there's a power hot, greater than me that has to do with waves and the turning of the earth. And that's enough. That was enough. I'm not God. I can't control everything. That's enough. And truthfully, I don't have a tremendously great understanding of what my higher power is now because I can't understand Stephen Hawking's when he spoke or Bill Gates. You know, how am I going to understand an infinite being? Uh, you know, I don't, you know, when we talk about religion, if one person is right, 85% of the world is wrong. And, you know, you can have whatever beliefs you want because faith, the definition of faith is belief absent rigorous proof. Okay, I can't disprove your God or prove mine. And I don't want to. I don't care, truthfully. If you have some sort of spiritual connection, that's all you need. Some sort of belief that there's something greater than you. And that's all I had. You know, a lot of times people say to me, Jeff, how do you stop? You know, you know the, the 12 steps are a great guide to a, a moral psychology of living life. But how do you, you, you know, nowhere in the 12 steps does it say, and stop drinking liquor. Or, uh, or stop drinking food. Or stop eating food. I don't see those in the steps. And so, uh, you know, how do you stop? What's the practical application of the 12 steps? And, you know, I don't really know the answer because, you know, I did. I didn't think about it. I didn't try. I did it. You know, I listened to somebody else. There's somebody else who had more experience than me, and he told me what to do. And what he told me to do was make a list of my allergic foods, my alcoholic foods, and don't eat them. It sounds simple, but not easy. Then he said, eat three times a day, and if you need to, you can have a snack. Well, three times a day, hell, that's a third of what I was doing three days before. I don't know if I can do that. Well, I asked God, whatever my fledgling understanding of God, to help. And I asked him to help. And I went to meetings. And I made phone calls. And sure enough, I got a day. And then another day. And all I have is that day. Actually, all I have is the minute. It's almost like a bad comedy routine. When can you do something? Now? When? Now? No, it just happened. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it, 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 it's now. It's not five minutes from now. And it's not five minutes ago. It's not tomorrow. And it's not yesterday. 
So if I want to stop overeating, I have to stop now for this minute, at this moment. And if I can get this moment, maybe I can get the next moment. And if I can get a day, maybe I can get two. And if I can get two, maybe the third comes. And whatever number of days, 73,000 something days, whatever it is later, I haven't had to pick up the food. Now, I've heard people say, you know, this is my abstinence, blah, blah, blah. And they, uh, they talk about, you know, uh, I heard some woman once say, I went to the pastry shop and got three pastries, but I'm still abstinent. Now, that may work for her, and I, I, I do not criticize, because I spent my entire life trying to find that, that chemical concoction that would, you know, ease, ease the pain and comfort without making me fat. Right? So, which doesn't exist, sadly. But if it did, none of us would be sitting here. We'd all be off doing that. that. But, you know, I can't do that. Because I need big, bold, black lines around my food. You know, my, my absence has changed. But sadly, nothing's gone back on. You know, oh, candy's okay now. I've got eight years of absence. I'm not allergic to sugar anymore. I also talk to people about, people talk about yellow-like foods. I... I grew up in New York. I never met a yellow light I didn't want to run right through. <laughs> when they say, I can eat chips at a restaurant, it's like, well, why are you less allergic to the chips in your house? If you're not allergic, you're not allergic. If you are, you are. And maybe that's a little bit black and white for some people. And I'm not telling anyone that that's how they must abstain or how they should abstain. But that's how I must abstain. I'm not, not allergic to foods when they're not in my house. I'm allergic to a lot of foods. The list of foods I don't eat is much longer and more storied than the list of foods I do. But that's the way it is, because I'm allergic to all those foods, and I can't eat them like a gentleman. I can't eat them without wanting more. I can't eat them without going off the deep end. And if I go off the deep end, as I've done before, I know what happens. What happens is I don't give a rat's, you know what, about you guys. I was told not to curse, but I don't give a rat's butt about you guys. I'm often run into the races, and I'm eating. And I don't care. And because when I'm eating like that, I don't care about the consequences because I'm driven. I must eat. When my disease is in full swing, I have no choice but to eat. So what I do here is try and keep my disease at bay, a minute at bay some days, an hour at bay some days, maybe a day. But it's, it's always right there. And if I don't honor the fact that I have this disease, it's coming right back. So for me, how do I stop? I make bold black lines around what's right and what's wrong. You know, I don't want to get political, but the diet industry, which we've all grown, you know, uh, I won't tar you with my brush, which I grew up revering as some sort of oracle of happiness, right? Go on the right diet and everything's going to be fine. You know, they're set up to tweak my disease because my disease wants to negotiate. Because when I negotiate, ultimately, my disease will tell me that it's okay to do the behavior that I want to do. Not the behavior that's best for me, not the behavior that I committed to. But the behavior that I want to do, which, guess what? It's eat. Right? So, if I negotiate with my food, I've had 1,742 calories today. I've got 186 more. Where do you think I'm finding them? You know, I'm not going to go, oh, that's okay. I'm going to go find, the, the, the going to pack as much into that 176 calories as I possibly can. And it's the same thing for me in abstinence. If there's gray area, I'm going to the edge. I'm going right to that edge. But if it's a big, black, bold line, I'm not going to do that. You know, my disease is a disease of more. And I'm a corner cutter, right? I, we already established I'm a New Yorker who runs yellow lights, right? And I'm a corner cutter. Rules are for you. Now, I try to, as part of my abstinence, I try to, you know, actually listen to rules. But 
before I didn't. You know, I want to cut the corner. I want to get the most out of the least. That's my disease. And so if I let myself get into that mindset, that's where my mind's going. And that's the behavior I'm going to do. So I can't do that. Because I know if I, if I eat, a, you know, when I tell people who are in this program, I have not had a French fry in 8.75 years, they look at me like I'm blue. How could you possibly not have had one? You're lying. How could you not have had I haven't had a French fry because if I eat one, I'm moving to Idaho. <laughs> I just go in between. I'm done. I'm done. I eat one and I'm done. I can't have one. So there are people who don't have this disease like I do, but for me, that's how I stop. I actually do it. I put big blow lines around my food and I do it one day, one hour, one minute at a time. I also commit my food. I, you know, I, uh, I, well, I shouldn't say I commit my food. I've committed to a food plan and I report my food the next day. Because I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, I get lots of choices in this program. Like, do I want chicken or beef? Oh, maybe fish, you know, uh, as my protein. You know, that's, uh, there's not a lot, of, I don't have a, you know, a lot of choice. And that's okay, you know. Somebody offered me some fancy thing in a restaurant and I said, I've had enough. I said, well, you never had it. I said, no, I've had enough. Trust me, I've had enough. You know, so I don't need to have fancy food anymore. I don't need to have, you know, cherries and jubilee or bananas, foster or whatever fancy dessert you can concoct. I've had them. They were good, but they didn't serve me. I can't have them anymore. So how do I get to this place of, well, it's okay that I can't have them anymore? Because shouldn't you be pounding the, 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 you know, pounding and saying, no, no, I, I should, that's okay. It should be okay for me. It's because I have a spiritual relationship. I was talking to a friend earlier, and, and he said, well, how do you get the spiritual relationship? How do you get a spiritual connection? And I said, you know, I think it's in the 12 and 12, and Roy's here, so he could correct me, but, uh, I'm not, and not the big book, but it says, when forced to, to a decision uh, between a spiritual life and death, we took pause. We took pause. Let me, let's, let's rewind that a minute. Death or spiritual relationship? <laughs> Hmm. Let me think for what the hell am I thinking? Of course you're going to choose the spiritual, but not, that's not my default. My default is ethic. I don't care. Consequences be damned. I'm going back to the food. But I had to make that choice. So I tried to enlarge my spiritual practice. I believe in a, don't believe in a personified God like a guy with a staff and a beard and you know uh, uh, sitting on a cloud. I don't think there's a clipboard God. I think there's a creative energy in the universe that guides us to where we're supposed to be. I find my spirituality in looking at my life in retrospect. I'm not very good at reading the tea leaves after eight and three quarters years. Uh, I, don't, I can't predict what's going to happen uh, tomorrow or five minutes from now, for that matter. Uh, and so I tend to you know, look for God's guidance, but I really just try and, and talk to other people and make a rational decision. And then later I can see God's hand in it. But it's not always easy for me to do it moving forward. But I pray. I pray every morning. I pray, I say, three or four prayers in the morning, including this prayer, which I particularly like, which I will share with you, which is, God, please, just for today, allow me not to binge eat or eat for my own sensual pleasure. Instead, allow me to use food as medicine to sustain my body and nourish my soul so I may be of service to at least one other person. Now, that's a hell of a sea change from when I woke up ten years ago. 
which is how am I getting my fix, was really the only thing that was on my mind. But the reason I asked to not binge eat is obvious. The sensual pleasure is, you know, again, that's part of negotiating. If I have a committed food plan and I, you know, I can eat foods that I enjoy and I like the taste of. But when I start going for creamy, gooey, cheesy, you know, that's where I'm making the wrong decisions for myself. That's when I'm pushing myself too close to the line. And then once I get close to that line, I start to negotiate. And I can't do that for myself. So I don't want to eat for my own sensual pleasure. I want to eat for sustenance, and I wouldn't mind not hating what I ate. You know, which is kind of a low bar. But, uh, you yeah. know, and I'm very finicky, by the way. You know, there's, you know, I was talking to my sponsors, well, what vegetables do you like? And there are about seven of them. And he said, well, what about this one? No, 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 kale, no, no, please, bell, boom, no, no, pepper, no, mushroom, boom. So, you know, I mean, I have a limited scope of what I eat. But I eat, I eat that, and I try to eat it uh, consciously and presently. And I hate those words. When I used to hear people say, I want to be conscious and present, like, what the hell does that mean? But what it means is that I want to see what I'm eating. I want to know what I'm eating. I don't want, you know, uh, uh, you know, the last few days I've been going through a little bit of a weird thing. I haven't really cared about what I'm eating. And that hasn't been good for me because I don't plan ahead when I don't care. So then I find myself being forced to make these decisions between stuff that's not really going to serve me or stuff that I don't really like. I choose what I don't really like because it's better for me than eating something that's going to get me closer to the line. But it's been weird. Last three or four days have been like that, and uh, and I have to talk to my sponsor about that when I see him tomorrow. But I need to, you know, I need to think about it. I need to plan my food. So, what's life like today? It's easier. I can buy clothes. Every piece of clothing I'm wearing was bought in a store where regular people can buy clothes. My waist was a 56-inch waist. It is now a 38-inch waist. And someone told me they were loose, which I'm really not happy about, by the way, because I just bought these pants. Uh, but anyway, you know, 38 to 56, you can do the math. It's a lot of, it's a lot of inches. Uh, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, and some of, you know, and, and here's the thing. Some of, I, there's, there's some vestiges of my old life that I still, uh, I still, you know, fall prey to. You know, I'm a, yeah, I'm not a fancy dresser. I was asked to dress up, so I put a sport coat on, uh, which is unusual for me, as most of you know. But uh, I'm not a fancy dresser, but I'm very particular. Okay? When I was a kid, my mother once said I looked like a sausage tied in the middle. You think I remembered that? So, if, you know, I still am not, you know, uh, no one's going to mistake me for, you know, an Olympic athlete. You know, and I still have, a, you know, a, a little roundness around the gut. And so, if I tie my belt too tight, what do you think pops into my mind? By the way, I've forgiven her, and so should you. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she tried her best. She had this disease. She didn't know how to treat it. And she tried her best. She also died at 55 of this disease, just for mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, and I've outlived her, which is kind of freaky, but that's a whole other, we can talk about that another time. Anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I try to go to a lot of meetings because I hear in meetings things that help me in my journey. And I heard this and woman, I thought she'd be in the room, a very smart woman that I go to meetings with, said this, which really, you know, uh, is sort of second-tier program, but I'm going to, so newcomers, you can ignore me for a minute. Uh, But the tools and the steps are not a trick to avoid pain. They are methods to help me get through the pain. 
to allow me to access the pain and move past. See, I never wanted to move past the pain. I would, you know, I would uh, get a cavity and not treat it because I didn't want to go to the dentist and then it would become a root canal and I didn't want to get the root canal. And then I, I uh, you know, P.S. I have seven dental implants. Okay, I have a small car's worth of money in my mouth. Okay, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with pain right away. That's a, the most object way that I can, I can tell you this. You know, today I'm willing to meet the pain. Not always, I'm not always elegant about it. I'm not always good at it, but I'm willing to meet the pain. I don't just keep pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back until it festers and gets worse and worse and worse because that's what happens. So I'm willing. You know, so, so I'm willing to tell the truth and turn to God. Neither of which I did ten years ago. Tell the truth, certainly not. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm an addict. I'm a liar, cheater, and a thief. My fourth step was uh, storied, uh, and uh, I'm glad I did it. But it was not easy to do because I had to tell people that I lied, cheated, and stole. I don't do that anymore. You know, it, it, yeah. I was reading the big <coughs> book the other day, starting it again, and I read the, uh, the doctor's opinion at the end of the uh, doctor's opinion. He says you can take these wor- these men at their uh, you can t- believe what these men say. You can rely on it, and I started to cry because people can rely on me now. You know, I came in, my kids couldn't. Uh, is that my son calling? No, my kids couldn't. Uh, my kids didn't trust me because I ate their food. I ate their treats. You know, you can't have love without trust. So how are your kids going to love me? Now my kids love me. Another quick story about my kids. When I first started doing this, my birthday came and I didn't have a cake. God forbid, right? You don't have a birthday cake. My daughter, who was nine or ten, freaked out. She said, you mean to tell me you're never going to have birthday cake again so long as you live? And I said, no, I may have, just not today. The next year, she said, you mean to tell me you're going to have love? I said, same thing. No, no. She can't stand that answer. <laughs> she doesn't like that answer. She wants to know something's permanent, but nothing's permanent. But I have today. I have now. So uh, my next birthday, which isn't for a few months, my next natal birthday, I'm not going to have cake. At least I'm not planning to. With what you guys have taught me and with what the blessings that I've gotten in this program, if I can continue to do it one day at a time, I won't have to eat cake on my next birthday. And I thank you for teaching me everything that I know. So thank you very much. <laughs> Apparently now I take questions. Good. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, you kind of just said it, but um, what was the name of the book that you well, I would say you don't have. A, I'm sorry. Repeat the question. What would I say to a compulsive overeater who would say, uh, you know, this just to say stuff sounds great, but never, but ever is a long time. Yeah. The the answer is there is no never. You know, the thing I would tell a compulsive overeater who came who come in, and the thing I, I told one just earlier in the day, is. You know, we have to come in as clean a slate as we can be. You know, we've been inundated with diet. We've been inundated with good and bad. You're good. I was good today because I didn't eat this or I was bad today. I'm not good and bad. I'm not a bad guy trying to get good. I'm a sick guy trying to get well. Okay, nobody in this room is bad because they ate something they didn't want to eat. You have a disease. You know, so I would say, think about that and then forget everything else that you've learned about dieting and eating. You know, put your faith in a higher power, whether or not you believe in it, you know, give it a shot and actually do something. Ask someone, you know, they talk about sponsors, you should have what you want. 
people take that in all sorts of directions. You know, if, if someone had what I wanted, they'd have a Tesla and a really nice house on the hill, you know, and a 32, you know, they'd be you know, 50-something years old and have a 32-year-old gorgeous wife and a Ferrari, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, but that's not, you know, it's, it's about wanting to recover as I want to recover. Pick someone who recovers that in a way that you can understand and relate to and be comfortable with. So I would tell that newcomer, Forget about what you know. Find someone who re, who has recovered, who is, is is recovering, and ask them what to do and do what they do. You have sponsors who argue with me. No, that can't be right. Well, then find another sponsor. That's okay. My feelings won't be hurt. It's okay. But if you want the recovery that I have, then perhaps you should do what I did. If you don't want it, if you want a different recovery, find that recovery. It's, this is not a one-size-fits-all program like the Moo that I would buy, you know, <laughs> the, the Omar the Tent Maker special that I would have. You know, uh, it's not one-size-fits-all. You know, we all recover differently, and you need to. And I would say to that person, you need to find the person who's recovering the way you want, and latch on and hold on. Latch on and hold on. Hi, Jeff. How do you uh, how do you handle fear? Uh, how do I handle fear? Uh, well, uh, you know, I have less fear, amazingly enough, because if I tell the truth and turn to God, then what's supposed to happen is going to happen. Uh, and so I don't really need to be afraid of it. Uh, you know, so I have less fear, but I do have fear. I have nervousness. Uh, I try to say a serenity prayer. I try to you know, ask God for guidance you know, to just calm me down and push me in the direction I'm supposed to go. Like I said before, I don't have tea leaves, so I don't know what that direction is. Sometimes I veer off in, in ways that aren't particularly healthy or recovered, recovering. Yeah. You can either walk towards recovery or walk towards the disease. You know, some of the decisions will veer me off towards the disease. Thankfully, I have eight and a half years, so I've got a few steps before I get there. Uh, and so I just, but, but I just, you know, turn it over, turn it over. And, and sometimes that's not... Sometimes that's not done elegantly either. Sometimes that's very clunky. Sometimes it's just pray, 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 call people, call people, call people, call people, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, until they're tired of me, which doesn't take long in some cases. So, uh, yeah, but I just, I turn it over. It's, it's just about, it's not me. It's not me. Did you notice a change after the fourth step? Did I notice a change after the fourth step? Uh, well, I noticed a change in myself. I was a lighter of spirit because I didn't have to carry around these horrible things and have these secrets. You know, in this book, I carry on a book and I write stuff in it at meetings. And you're right next to that thing I just read to you. It says, uh, if I don't want anyone to see me doing something, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. Which it's not, you know, like, pro, like you know, Bill Wilson didn't, you know, tell me this, but, you know, it's, it's, it's only common sense. It's the same thing. If I don't want people to know about my actions, then I shouldn't be taking them. But I did. I took them. So I had to make amends for them and unwind them to the best that I could. Once I did that, I was able to feel lighter about my relationship with the world because I wasn't hiding all these, you know, things. Some were not so great, some were pretty terrible, and some I thought were terrible that weren't so terrible. But I had to get through that. Yes. Oh. I called on you, and then I got the thank you hook. So thank you guys very much for letting me share.